Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, living in Mary. Holy Spirit, we ask you to give us the words for this talk today, that you just inspire us, remind us of your love and your providence. We lift up all the intentions of our, our own intentions of our hearts and those of our close ones, our family and friends, entrusting them to you, giving everything to you through the hands of Our Lady. As we pray, Hail Mary, full, full of grace, grace, the Lord, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. You're listening to Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron. We feature outstanding Catholics from all over Acadiana. I'm super excited today to have a guy that's right on the, the cliff, the edge of seminary, Mr. Hugh Tran, Tran from Baton Rouge, just recently graduated from LSU. Welcome to the show, Hugh. Thank you for having me, Todd. All right. It's just God's blessing to have him here. Uh, Hugh went to college with my daughter, and I hear nothing but great things about Hugh. But tell us, you're right here on the edge of your career here, and tell us how you got to that point. Tell me, tell me about your childhood. So I was born in Vietnam, actually. And my family moved to Metairie, Louisiana, um, when I was five years old. And I grew up in Metairie there and went to high school. And Where'd came, you go to school? Haynes Academy okay. in Metairie. All right. Uh, pretty small school. And then I went to LSU for college. And growing up, we went to Mass every Sunday, was baptized, First Communion, Confirmation, all the jazz. But I really didn't care or care to understand. It was more of just the thing that we did. Um, and so I didn't understand what a relationship with Jesus even was. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college that I had my true conversion um, through a small group Bible study at uh, Christ the King, the Catholic Church on LSU's campus. And it was through that and just authentic community. And then Jesus kind of took the reins from then on and led me deeper and deeper until it was last summer that I really felt the call and an invitation to pursue him in the priesthood. I know a lot of our listeners always are interested in hearing the conversion story. And, uh, you know, my daughters even, they ask, hey, did that happen over time? Or was it like lightning that struck? You know, was it, what, what happened in that particular moment, your sophomore year, that, that, that turned your life? So I went into LSU in my freshman year with kind of a lot of expectations of what college would be. And I learned very fast that those expectations were not going to happen. Um, just things with my friends that I came from high school with and just other factors that led to really not a good freshman year and a very big hole that was left in my heart. Um, I still went to Mass every Sunday in fresh in my freshman year. I don't understand why. It was probably just my programming mm -hmm. that uh, told me to go. But thank God for that because I specifically remember the date, actually. Um, it was the Sunday before classes started in my sophomore year, August 23rd, I'm pretty sure. And that was the day at Christ the King when they did sign up Sunday for small group Bible studies. And I was there at mass um, and they were signing up and I just felt this real urge in my heart that maybe I should give this thing a shot. I had never picked up a Bible in my life before, um, but I just felt this real 
like conviction in my heart and I honestly if I'm speaking if I remember right I couldn't really control my body I was just filling out that card I had no reason why to or um any desire or like a desire but not like a true one and then a week later I got a phone call to join this small group and I did um and it was there that I really just discovered true community like people who kind of looked at me and loved me for who I am and not just anyone that I had to be or feel this image that I was just me and they really loved me in that and then slowly they opened the door to share the gospel that I could relate to the stories in the gospel that Jesus became more of of a person to me than just like some name that mm-hmm. I heard about growing up and it was from then that the more and more I spent time at Christ the King, frequencing the sacraments, daily mass, having a real confession for the first time, um, that he just started entering to my heart very uh, subtly. Like it wasn't a, like a lightning moment. It was just over time that I truly just came to see him as a person mm-hmm. and as someone that wanted to be involved in my life. I want to focus on that community you mentioned, and you know this show is called Cajun Catholics. I imagine there was a lot of Cajun Catholics in that in that community. Who were some of the people that really influenced you there? My small group leaders were Brandon Campo and Morgan Hurst. Mm-hmm. If you guys eventually listen to this, that's a shout out for y'all. <laughs> um, we hope they will. And then over time, I just met a lot of good people at Christ the King. Mm-hmm. Um, your son-in-law, Brandon, was the person who prepped me and my partner when I led a Bible study. Mm-hmm. So we would meet with him every week, and we would talk about like our upcoming study for maybe like 10 minutes, and then the rest of it, we would just pray. And he would just, he was very intentional about our relationship and discipling me, mentoring me. And over time, that just became a really good relationship, a friendship. Um, I see him as an older brother, and he was instrumental in my life. Um, very much so. So, Hugh, when when your friends talk about you uh, that I know, you know, and um, through meeting you, they all have a gleam in their eye when they talk about Hugh. You know, <laughs> you've had quite an impact on them. Everyone loves Hugh. And, uh, you know, I think that I know that you have a pure heart, and I know you have a devotion that, that sprung out of that with the uh, Sisters of Charity, right? And uh, tell me about that. When did that start? Um, so yeah, so for those who don't know, in Baton Rouge at St. Agnes Catholic Church, the Missionaries of Charity uh, Mother Teresa's Order has a women's home and a soup kitchen there. And it was in my sophomore year when I was in that small group Bible study that um, my leader, Brandon, invited me to go one day. Christ the King was just having this big service day at the missionary's house. And I went and we cleaned and cooked and served food to the poor and, and the homeless. And it really just wrapped me up like I was so hooked I knew I know I remember in high school that I always enjoyed community service um, but more so just doing it never really like a deeper reason why and when I went that Saturday I was just immediately drawn by the sisters joy their desire to give of themselves for these people and I just never stopped not coming like uh, I think I was probably there more than so when I was in class. Um, (laughs) I spent more time there. And at Christ the King, I led our service um, ministry for two years, and that was kind of like our base of operations, that Mm -hmm. it was always a home for me, and I would just spend so much time there with the sisters and the people that we were serving. Now, I read, I think there's six sisters. There is. Is that about right? Yes. And I read that they can only see their family every 10 years. Is that 
I don't know about that, but that sounds about right. Yeah. And I imagine you got real close to them. Are they from Louisiana? Are they from all over? Most of them are from India. Um, They uh, shuffle in and out. So Mm -hmm. the, like, priests, they get moved around based on the needs. Um, So the one, only one of them is still there that I knew Mm -hmm. when I first started coming around. The others have been um, relocated, and they were all just incredible spiritual mothers to me. Uh, I was very sad to see a couple of them go, but I knew that's where um, they would need to go. So in your conversion and, and in your devotion, I know you have a strong devotion to the Blessed Mother. Is that sort of what led you to, to the seminary? Uh, not really. No? Um, she, she is a very big part of my life, but not in the seminary aspect. What, what made that turn? What was the turn for, for, for a priesthood? So if I remember right, in my... I'm a, I graduated from LSU in five years, so in my proper senior year, my fourth um, year at LSU. Me too, by the way. I uh, love the five-year plan. Victory lap. More football. Um, but I remember going, I went on senior trip that year, or um, not senior trip, uh, spring break. I went on a trip to um, Christ in the City in Denver, a missionary organization that really kind of started a long set of just consolation and prayer. Like from that moment, and just subsequent months, I was on like a spiritual mountaintop. Every time I went to go pray, it was nothing but constellation. I had awesome just moments. Your daughter's wedding was one of them. I had the honor of altar serving there. And that just, was a special wedding. And just the Lord really took me deep into his heart and my own heart during those set of months. And I remember probably it was around early June or something last summer that I was just walking around my apartment one day listening to music or whatever and I started daydreaming about celebrating Mass. And I was very thrown back by that because I fantasize about the Saints winning the Super Bowl and being a member of the Beatles. <laughs> so the priesthood never really fell in between those two things. Um, and I had an internship that summer, and whenever I had free time during that internship, I just found myself looking up vocation stories. Um, I found pictures of a good friend of mine, Father Ruben, his Mass at Thanksgiving, his first Mass, uh, and I was looking at those pictures, and I was like, man, that must have been so cool. And whenever I went to go pray, that same, those thoughts and that image of me celebrating Mass would just constantly come up. So I recognized that that was an invitation from the Lord for me to pray about it. Um, he, was, he, was very much, uh, he was very clear about saying, you're not signing a contract. You're not going to put on a collar in the next two days. I just want you to pray about it. And I did. And the more and more I prayed about it, the more and more excited I got. Um, the aspect of a priest, the possibility. There were fears along the way, obviously, but there was just an under, um, underlying sense of peace mm-hmm. that really drew me into it. So the more and more I prayed, the more resources um, that I found to discern the priesthood. I went to talk to our priest and vocations director, Father Andrew, often during that summer. The more and more confident I felt that he was inviting me into this. And eventually it came to a point where you can only discern so far outside of the seminary. So I knew at the very least I would need to go to the seminary to continue my discernment. Mm-hmm. And I spent, so that was last summer, so I just finished up my last year at LSU. And I was continue, uh, intentionally praying this year too, and those feelings haven't stopped. The emotional highs um, have kind of died down, but that's just our emotions. Mm -hmm. But still, that peace is there, and that desire to give of myself for him and his people is there. 
I think I speak for the Cajun Nation when I tell you how proud we are of you and how everyone needs to be definitely praying. Hugh is two days away from the seminary, so he's in a very <laughs> amazing time in our in his life and in all our lives. You know, what's what what a wonderful um, thing for our church to have these young seminarians that are full of, full of the fire of the Holy Spirit to to take that leap. All right, I'm going to ask you some wild and crazy questions. You ready? Yeah. Okay, this is way off the wall. So one of them is going to be is, what's your favorite number? Got one? No? Probably 18. All right. Ooh, love that. That's my wife's favorite number. You know, and I ask that question because for me, um, that's how I see the Holy Spirit in numbers, and for me it's the number 16. But um, how does the Holy Spirit communicate with you in numbers or colors or anything? Do you feel that sometimes? Um, I haven't really had that. I know um, a lot of my friends have had experiences like that, and I think it's super awesome. I just have never experienced that. I feel like the Holy Spirit speaks to me more so in the way um, that I give. Mm-hmm. Like, I really feel His presence more so, a lot when I'm volunteering. I know that He speaks a lot to me through Our Lady. Um, and I struggled with that for a while because I was thinking, like, well, why don't I get these kind of yeah. awesome coincidences, quote, quote, or these moments. Pings. We call them pings. Pings. Yeah. Um, or these moments in like ador- uh, in adoration or praise and worship. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just never me. And I really kind of struggled with that for a while until I just really came to understand that he speaks to us all in just yeah. amazingly different ways. I had a dream a couple of weeks ago, and I think it really was a foreshadowing of, of this conversation with you because whenever I, I would think something good or I would do something good, I could feel God's uh, arms around me hugging me. And the more I thought and did good things, the more I could feel that love from God, you know. Yeah, so like, uh, kind of maybe a good example is that when we go to when I used to go to work with the missionaries, um, we I would get there like nine a.m. and maybe leave around eleven thirty, close to noonish. And their soup kitchen it's a it's a uh, difficult place to work in. They don't really have AC. They have AC for the dining room where the um, people come in and get their food. But other than that, the kitchen is super hot. I'd spend days scrubbing grease traps or just mopping the floors, sweeping, doing all this, and to be like. It's tiring work, not like to the huge extent, but it, it, you do feel kind of um, burnt by the time you leave. And my body would be feeling tired, but my soul would just be alive. Like I would just feel as if I was on a mountaintop, despite the fact that I could, I want to go take a nap or something. Um, and so I guess that's just one of the ways that he speaks to me. Yeah, they call that holy exhaustion. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Today's guest is Hugh Tran, a uh, recent graduate of LSU in accounting and two days away from entering the seminary. And I uh, thank you, Hugh, for driving over to do this interview. Um, so, all right, tell me a little bit more. I'll ask you this question. Um, is there some particular Bible character that you most associate with? Hmm. I really have a strong devotion to the beloved disciple, St. John the Apostle. He was a very, an instrumental um, saint in my relationship when I was um, getting close to Our Lady. Uh, as you know, like he stood with her. He was the only one who remained. And I feel like he kind of fits my personality a bit, kind of like the quieter one, but also not, not like Peter, but he's always just been there um, in very subtle ways. Um, and so I relate to him a lot. So actually, um, uh, segue actually, when I was discern when I was praying, kind of um, in, if the Lord is calling me to the priesthood or not, 
I was trying to pray with scripture, I think, one day, and what came up was the first chapter of the Gospel of John, when John the Baptist is with his disciples, and he says, Behold the Lamb of God as Jesus is walking by. And then John and I think it's Andrew are the ones that follow him, and he asks, uh, uh, What are you looking for? And then they say, Master, where are you saying? And he says, Come and see. And that is what I can probably sum my discernment to in a very like simplified sense of that like John, I wanted to be wherever Jesus was. Um, that's the best advice Father Andrew, our vocations director, has ever given me, that regardless of whether I'm called to be a priest or not, that I need to be pursuing the Lord. If he is in the seminary and eventually the priesthood, then I need to be there. If he happens to be with a pretty lady, then I need to be there <laughs> too. Um, and so, like John, I just wanted to follow him. And... I would ask where he's staying, and in my prayer, I felt him say, I will be at the seminary, and I was like, all right, I'll be there too. (laughs) I know a lot of non-Catholics, and Catholics as well, always question, you know, how, how, and it's hard to think about celibacy as a priest, and and, um, what's your view on that? You know, um, that's a big leap. It is. Um, There's a great book that is basically Priestly Discernment 101. to save a thousand souls. I think it's like if you're discerning, you just got to read it or not just to get an appreciation of what priests really are. Um, and I remember part of the book uh, it speaks about how as human beings, we just have a natural desire for intimacy emotionally, spiritually, physically with the opposite sex. Like that's just biologically in us. And so it's not like a thing that we should necessarily reject or fear. Or but fight, that, yeah or fight, but that if the Lord really does call us to a consecrated life, a consecrated single life, religious life, the priesthood, then he gives us a supernatural desire that slowly trumps the human desire for that. And so, you know, I'm not in seminary yet, and I've had urges of like really desiring a relationship, desiring a family, but they were kind of fleeting, and then still desiring the Lord. Sometimes those urges are stronger than not and i'm assuming in the seminary they'll definitely probably get they'll become more intense Mm -hmm. but just knowing that he if he really calls me to this then he will give me the grace and the particular desire that will in a way just purify my earthly desire for intimacy i mentioned earlier that um we and i had some conversations about a a priest that i had known that had this family their family's strong desire for him to be a priest did your family or how do they feel about it it was a bit of a, a coin flip in a sense. <laughs> um, so my family, we went to mass every Sunday, but we really we just didn't know the Lord in a very personal way. And so my mom's always desired um, good things for me, and my sister. Like she wanted us to do well in school and have great careers. So that way we could just live a great, a good life, like not have to worry about financial security or any of that. Um, but the Lord kind of got put in second place in terms of that. So when I told her that I wanted to become a priest, she said that she saw it coming, that she understood, um, that she, you know, she just knew what I did at Christ the King and that she wasn't surprised. But at the same time, she was still very much like, well, are you sure? Are you going to be happy? Would you be, would you prefer just having a job? That kind of thing. Um, and I don't know what they spoke about, but she was so much more on board when she met with Father Andrew in a behind my back kind of way. She scheduled a meeting with him without me knowing. <laughs> and, I guess just in their conversation, 
that she was so much more at peace with it. And now she's really supportive. My dad's been supportive too. <coughs> and I just hope that my discernment for my discernment pursuit is a way that they can grow closer to the Lord in their own hearts. Mm-hmm. So I have a couple questions that uh, you know I can think. Of. I know when I went to LSU, I never found my way to Christ the King Church. You know, um, it's very disappointing. It's sad. Wish I could do life over again. We just didn't have that. But I, I feel like when <clears throat> my first daughter went to LSU, <clears throat> that UL was way ahead of LSU as far as the college kids and participating in in mass here. And now I see LSU. I've gone over there a bunch of times, and all of a sudden it seems like it's pretty full. Seems yeah, like they're on fire. Um, I would say there's a few X factors in that. Father Josh Johnson, I think his first assignment as a priest in 2014 was Christ the King, and a woman named Miss Julie Holden. She was, she's a spiritual mother to me. Um, the two of them, along with the campus ministers, really lit the campus on fire. And from then on, the snowballs has been going. Um, and so, it's home. Like mm-hmm. Christ the King is my home. That's uh, the best way I can describe it. That it really just fosters a community that you feel loved in that like I said in the beginning like I didn't feel like I had to be another person I didn't feel like I had to put on like oh I need to be this Christian guy or anything like that but that I was authentically me and from the community Jesus will then invite you as he invited me into a personal relationship with him so it became of a home of community where I can go hang out casually to a place that I just needed to go to pray and to be with him. Mm-hmm. Hugh, what, uh, you know, what is it about the people of South Louisiana um, and the people at LSU that, 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 that are unique? I, I don't know if you've traveled much in your life and that would spend a lot of time on this show highlighting outstanding Catholics, but you know, it's something that's unique about South Louisiana. Yeah. It's just, so everyone here is just authentically like friendly. Um, I know it's like a saying of like, you don't really come for the place, you come for the people and the food. Mm-hmm. Um, and so most of the people that I've met that are like born and raised um, in Louisiana, it's just, there's just this feeling about them that they're joyful, that they really love where they're at and that they just know who they are um, and that they don't try to run away from it, they embrace it. And that part of that is that it's just culturally Catholic down here that the Lord is so integrated in our lives that it's just natural to speak about him mm-hmm. that you don't really have to like whisper under your breath <laughs> or um, kind of shy away from it, but rather he's just part of your life. And I think that just allows you to be joyful and authentically you. Yeah, it seems like Cajun is Catholic and Catholic is Cajun. Really though. You know, uh, so I know you've gone back to Vietnam. Is, it, is there similarities to the culture? Uh, don't quote Very me, different. I'm not 100% sure. But the area of Vietnam that my family is from is Saigon, or as most people would probably know, Ho Chi Minh City. Mm-hmm. And that area is really Catholic. So I think a majority of Vietnam is Buddhist um, mm-hmm. or other, some other Asian religion. But that area is strongly Catholic. Like I, rem- I would always remember this one specific house. Leaving the, if you're um, leaving the airport, it's on the left, just as you're getting like out of the airport. And there's just, just this huge statue of Mary. And like um louisiana is like part of the culture that it wasn't really like something you kind of question it's just um like you just raised in it and like my my i remember my grandma would always pray a decade of the rosary going to bed my aunt is a i'm pretty sure she's a lay member of a like of a order Mm -hmm. um and she does incredible work too so it's very similar in the same ways 
also really hot there too. <laughs> well, tell me, we got just a few minutes left on the show, and it's just been a, a pleasure to have you on the show, and we're all going to be praying big time for you. Uh, tell me, what what do you see, what do you hope that if you go on through and become a priest, or you, you plan to be a parish priest? Is yes. That, yeah. And uh, and how do you see that playing out? Do you see, do you see what, what is it that's driving you uh, in your ministry? So I would say that my desire to be a priest can be summarized in about two um, desires. That one, I want to give what I've been given. I was very much involved in the ministries of Christ the King. I led our service team. I was involved in Bible studies, led a couple of those. Um, and just to really give to the people or be a bridge that the Lord can work through and give of myself in that sense. But that reason is very small in comparison to the other one, that if I was, if the Lord had knitted me to become a priest, um, if that was his desire from the beginning for me, then it is where I will know him the best and where I can be loved by him the best and where I, I can love him the best. Because I know ultimately that is what all of our desires should be, to be in just intimate communion with him and he designed us very specifically in our own ways that he can speak to us through. And so for married couples, they, he is most present to them in their family, in their um, marriage, in their children. But if he really crafted me to be a priest, then I know that is ultimately where I can perceive his love the best on this side of heaven. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want. Um, that was very clear in my prayer of like, I just want to be loved by him and to love him back. And if that's the road to it, then I'm all game. Absolutely. Well, I sure hope they send Hugh to Lafayette. I know he's in the diocese of Baton Rouge. <laughs> we need help with Baton Rouge. Yeah, but just consider, just consider, you know, <laughs> I think you, we're, we're just really close. We're not that far. So, Hugh, um, you know, it's just, again, a bit, been a blessing for you to be on this show, and I wish you nothing but Godspeed. Um, you got just a minute or two. What would be your message out there that you want to relate to, the, uh, to our listeners? Um, I guess so. Maybe to the people who are just about to enter college, if you're coming to LSU, I'm, I'm going to plug Christ the King. Not out of a sense of like you need to be there because it's a place to be or anything like that, but you really will find the Lord there. You'll find him in the community, but then you'll also find him in the, in the depths of your heart, and then from then on, he just really takes the reins and does what he does, and he'll just love you in that it really is such a holy place and like I wouldn't be anywhere close where I am without that place and the people who have really poured into me it will look different it will take on different images but ultimately it will be just an amazing home that the Lord is so present in so whether you're a college student or not just swing by Christ the King from the Mass and just really encounter the Lord there's a lot of kids from Lafayette in the area that go to LSU and I, I don't think that's the first thing they think of you know but it is. It's an amazing place. It is. You know, and well, credit Father Andrew Merrick. He's just been a blessing in my life, too. What a wonderful guy. And, uh, okay, so we're running to the end of our show. Uh, um, I'm going to let Hugh take it out with a prayer. All right. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day. The thanks for T- Mr. Todd and this ministry of his radio show. That he can just really share stories and be a witness to your love in our lives. I pray for all those who will listen to this particular show and all the shows that he has recorded that somehow, some way, our testimony, our witness, our joy can just touch someone's heart. That through us, you can give them a pure heart, a heart of flesh, and take away their heart of stone. 
and trust all of our intentions and our prayers to the heart of Our Lady, entrusting everything to her and knowing that she will guide us closer to her son. In the most holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Hugh. God bless you. Thank you for being here. I wish you the best, my friend. Thank you, Mr. Stott. Okay. Again, you're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. Unleash the Cajun Catholic in you.